0: What's going on, everybody? This is the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 15 on this Monday, September 4th, 2023. Josh Calloway, James Jackson, Tom Green, gentlemen. Oklahoma played their first game over the weekend. They won by a million. We were all there. It was hot. But first off, first OU game as media members for both of you guys. Give me me some reaction. How did it go? How did it feel?
1: It may have been hot for you, Josh, down there on the field, but we were nice and cool out in the press box. So <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: can't really complain about the temperature.
2: Uh, I mean, it, it, it was a little toasty when we got up there, but it it, it cooled down um, once the sun kind of got past us. But, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it was it was a great experience. Um, you know, g- good to just see some actual football and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, see this team in action. Yeah. You know, especially for me, you know, not being from around here, Uh yeah, I, I I didn't get to watch a lot of Oklahoma games last season because I'm usually in a press box watching other games. Um, so it it was just good to see what a game day was like around here. Um, good atmosphere. Don't blame the fans for you know leaving at halftime when it was 45 nothing and
0: 100 <laughs> degrees outside. Sure. But the
2: ones the ones that stuck around,
0: they got to see the Jackson Arnold show. They did, and the they Jackson were very Arnold excited show. about it. Yeah, there was none of that. You know, last year, I think especially, it became – it's been a, a topic of conversation for a number of years now of OU fans needing to kind of step up the atmosphere, kind of dogging on the student section a little bit, things like that. There was none of that on Saturday because I think everybody kind of understood, okay, 45 nothing. Um, it's very hot out here, people are going to leave it. Like I think going in, people kind of accepted that was going to be the reality, and it was. Uh, it cleared out pretty good at halftime. Um but it's still still not a bad atmosphere into the second half, like you said, for the Jackson Arnold show, and uh, very start for Oklahoma. And uh, I would just say for you guys, be thankful we don't go to Ames this year because Iowa State notoriously a just boiling hot press box. I don't even <laughs> I don't even watch the games in the press box, and I know that um, just a sauna in there. And even if it's cold, like they crank the heat and the sun, it, it's, it's oh, wow. bad news. So just be thankful that we don't have to make that trip uh, this season. But yeah, like we said, Oklahoma, I mean, they, they obliterated Arkansas State on Saturday. Um, James and I talked about it a little bit in our recap that we did on the field. Hopefully people found that and enjoyed that on Saturday night. Um, we'll continue to do that all throughout the season. But now we have the opportunity with a little more time here, and we're obviously looping time to kind of flush this thing out a little bit. I guess just, guys, just initial reaction that you guys had watching this unfold – to the statement that Oklahoma made. And, look, Arkansas State's not any good. We talked about that last week. They're bad. Uh, they won three games last year. It's not going to be much better this year. Um, but that was as much of a pulverization as I've ever seen. And the biggest blowout in the country this weekend, I think, 73 points. I don't think – I think Oregon actually won their game by more, but they didn't get the shutout. So I don't know if you want to split hairs. It's tomorrow, for 81. But, yeah, right. Um, just I, – I mean, how could you not leave impressed? I, again – we acknowledge the opponent, but uh, insane how dominant that game was. It was never even remotely close.
1: First of all, Josh, I'm gonna thank you for getting all the Iowa State fans to come at us after this pod because you you talked about their press box. So we'll I actually we'll, don't mind we'll
0: get going those up there. I kind of like <laughs> the Jack Trice is kind of a dump, but it's it's kind of fun. It's actually one of the biggest stadiums in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that press box, no good.
1: Yeah. I mean, get, get, let's get that out of the way. And then, second of all, let's let's I'll let Tom go first just because you and I already kind of gave our instant sure. reactions on the field. Want to get a lot more from Tom, who's more analytical than most of us. I mean, Tom's one of those guys, man. I appreciate that.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I think the one word that kind of sums it up is the same word that we've heard again and again throughout the offseason efficient. It was mm. both sides of the ball, just complete and utter efficient dominance you know i think they forced you know seven punts you know five of them were three and outs um you know only played like 50 snaps on defense which is just ridiculous that arkansas state ran that few plays um offensively scored touchdowns on nine of their 11 drives including five in a row to start the game before a you know a little chip shot field goal there right before halftime and then a punt you know in the final minutes when you know, at that point, you're just trying to get out of there and not get anybody else hurt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this was just a complete and utter bludgeoning of Arkansas State. And you know, we talked about it last week that Arkansas State wasn't very good. I don't think any of us expected them to be this bad.
1: Yeah. So I got what I said. Um, yeah.
2: I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a testament to Oklahoma to look as sharp as it did coming out of the gate, because you know, not not every team looks that sharp in week one. You know, you're, you're working out a lot of kinks. You're, you know, trying to implement some new guys, get everybody kind of on the same page. But Oklahoma did not stumble. Um, they handled their business. Dylan Gabriel played lights out. Um, you know, three incompletions from him, but really probably only should have been one. That kind of a throwaway mm-hmm. for the end zone on that second one to Julio Farouk. Um, the other two were catchable balls by Farouk, and jaquez Petway. Um, Jackson Arnold just immaculate in his uh, you know, four series, four touchdowns, accounted for two uh, by himself, basically. And then, you know, the defense, again, we talked about it. Getting that shutout. They haven't shut out an opponent since 2021 against Western Carolina. That's an FCS school. A little right. bit easier to do that. They haven't shut out an FBS opponent since 2015 against Kansas State. Yeah, you know, it's been a minute since they did that. And when we spoke to Ted Roof today, he, he talked about, you know, just kind of seeing the pride in the defenders even late in the game when you know they could have easily let up and you know given up a garbage time touchdown but they wanted that shutout this defense feels motivated feels driven and it feels like they've made a statement in this opening week yes it's one game yes it's week 1 against arkansas state but it's a good foundation for them to build on how
1: about how about seeing that oklahoma's defensive line was respected i mean they they were they were pulling back seven guys you know to block Pretty much throughout the entire game and trying to get the ball out quick. That's not something you've seen over the past couple of years. It's like teams just can go out there and run the offense exactly the way they want to because there just wasn't a lot of pressure. And now that they had to do that in this game, and it resulted in one sack for this defensive line, which you can't really knock them for because of how much how much they were affecting the game in other ways. Pretty much uh, making Arizona State Arkansas State come back and block that many guys. So I mean that that was a big key. That was a big key to to the difference in the defense this year. And, and also, I mean, Arkansas State's head coach talked about it, man. Just the speed difference from what he saw on film yeah. and what was on the field on Saturday was completely different. And he, he, you can't compare for it because you just look at what's on film and look at that. It's like, man, how do you what do you do? What what can you do in that moment? And just the all around, it was great for OU. just everything about it. And you talked about Tom going after that, you know, keeping the shutout. Jaron Kennick said, so they're, hey, they're playing to a standard, man. They're not even. They're not worried about what the score is at the moment. It's 0-0 zero, zero to them, and they want to keep that on the scoreboard the rest of the way, especially on the defensive side. So, I mean, all around it was a good, it was a good job by the defensive uh, staff, defensive line, and then, you know the, the backfield as well. It was, it, was, it was great.
2: Yeah, and just go, going back to that remark from Butch Jones after the game, you know, he said the speed differential, what he saw in Oklahoma, was probably the biggest that he's seen in his car- coaching career. Mind mm-hmm. you, he spent you know seven years of the last decade in the SEC.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, he's seen offenses like that high-powered LSU one. Uh, you know, he's seen those receivers that have come through Alabama in recent years. He's seen Georgia. He's seen all those. When he was when he was an assistant at West Virginia, they had Pat White and Steve Slayton slicing through offenses or slicing through defenses rather. So, I mean, that's no small remark from him to yeah to to just like. Mentioned like how eye-opening that diff- that speed differential is from what he saw in film a year ago to to, to Saturday, and that's just a testament to the kind of the roster overhaul that Brent Venables has undertaken uh, since being named the head coach.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that reiterates a point too, because I mean, we, we said you know again we're we're beating a dead horse, but Arkansas State's not good; they've been rough the last couple of years. But that was even worse than they've ever been thumped, at least under Butch Jones. The worst loss before yesterday in the Butch Jones era, if you want to call it that, at Arkansas State, was uh, against Washington in 52-3. Now, I'm not going to split hairs on blowouts, but, I mean, 73 nothing and 52-3, that's a 24-point difference of margin in what had been their biggest loss before. So they're bad. Again, we we acknowledge that, and I think all of you fans are trying their best to reel it in because they did look so good. Um But, you know, even as rough as Arkansas State's been, like I said on the pod, or actually as Colin said, on the pod on Thursday, they actually done okay covering the spread uh, in their last like eight row games. They were 7-1 against the spread or something to that effect. And obviously Oklahoma covered the spread twice in this game. So they beat them down, and they beat them down good. Uh, You really could not ask for much more. And, yeah, defensively getting the shutout, uh, James, like you were saying there with Kanick, that was something that they really wanted. And even though they went – three forty. They played forty-four guys on defense alone. They mm-hmm. still never let up and give up any points. Obviously a couple mm-hmm. missed field goals help with that, but Arkansas State never cracked the red zone either. I mean it they couldn't do much of anything.
1: I was gonna say, I mean, even if they played at their best without you know, without dropping those passes and making their field goals. I mean, maybe what do you think? Oh, you get you know, two less touchdowns and they make two more field goals? Is that pretty much what it would have been even if they had played well in that game. I mean it just showed the the difference in the, the, the jimmies and you know the, the guys on the yeah. field pretty much that was the difference there and I mean Arkansas State had a hard time of even staying on the field keeping guys out there just kept getting hurt and that's what happens when you play a bigger and faster team so I mean I, you can't you can't ask for much more from the OU, OU defense and OU offense I mean it's all around like I said
2: yeah I mean things went about as well as they could have gone for Oklahoma on Saturday, you know, save for, you know, a couple injuries here and there with the, you know, Drake Stoops, Dasan McCullough coming mm-hmm. out after just a couple of defensive snaps. Obviously, what happened to Davis Bevel late in the game there, you know, you don't want to see that to happen to any of those guys. But in the grand scheme, Oklahoma was able to play 87 guys in this game. A outrageous number. They played 87 guys throughout the entirety of last season, total.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they were able to play at least wow. 40 guys on each side of the ball in this game. Uh, you know, some guys were just special teams contributors on kickoffs and stuff, but at least 40 guys saw the field on offense, at least 40 on, on defense. You know, they're, they're getting some of these newer players some more experience early on, something that they didn't do as much last year um, when they had some of those newcomers and freshmen coming in. Um, so, again, I mean, we, we heard Jeff Levy say it, but you know, that lived-in experience is invaluable. Just getting these guys some reps in game so that they know what it feels like, instead of just going up against their teammates in practice, and you know that's going to benefit Oklahoma in the long run as the season goes on. But you know, just again, they could they couldn't have asked for a better start to the season. Seventy-three mm. nothing. I mean, I know you guys both picked them to cover the spread. I, I've got a little egg on my face from you know thinking that Arkansas <laughs> State might cover,
0: but cover the number. They, they,
2: they covered it twice over. That's, yeah, that's the absurd. Only-
0: the only possible nitpicky thing you could have on defense, uh, and we talked about this in the wrap-up, James and I did, was the fact they just have the, did just have the one sack. It didn't happen until the very end of the game. Ethan Downs. I don't even know why Ethan Downs was out there. I think, like, literally to get a sack. It was late in the fourth quarter. They were up by 73 points, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Ethan Downs in the game, kind of funny. And then they only had the one turnover. You know, Kani Walker with that great strip, which, you know, in live action I didn't even realize happened. I don't know if you guys could tell. They, they sent an Oklahoma ball, and I was like, where? How? What do you mean? I had to see a replay because he just took it from him. Um, I guess my question, for lack of a more articulate way to ask it, do you care at all that they only had one sack and one turnover? Or does the shutout and the overall dominance just trump that and you'll you'll worry about those things later? Because you're going to need to get after the quarterback and cause turnovers to win games against really good teams. But obviously not, not the case on, on Saturday. So I guess, is there any stock you put in that at all? I don't think
1: – I don't think you do, because if you get a sack, I mean, the whole reason is trying to make it harder to get a first down for the, the team. So if they don't get first down. You get a bunch of three and outs. There's nothing more you can ask for. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's what it came down to. And Jaren Kanek said, I mean, they kind of were just playing conservative. They, I mean, they could do that at the time. I mean, they didn't have to do flashy plays because they were just getting so much pressure already just with the four guys blitzing. I mean, you didn't see a lot of blitzes from the linebackers, anything like that yeah. in that game. It was just, we don't need to play flashy. We can just be conservative. I mean, and, and get them off the field as they were doing. I mean, it was it was good for them. Only thing they didn't do was pretty much get a you know a pick six or or a fumble in the end zone. I mean, I mean they did everything else they needed to do. I mean, nothing more you can ask for from that defense.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think context matters. Um, again, you know, Arkansas State they they did a lot of three step drops. They were trying to get the ball out of out of J T. Shrout's hand pretty quickly in the passing game. You know, when they weren't doing that, they were you know having seven eight guys back in protection. Uh, so Oklahoma's defense was outnumbered at the at the front yard. You know, Arkansas State was game planning mm-hmm. to try to take that pass rush out of it yeah you know, at, at the same time, let's be honest, Oklahoma probably kept things pretty vanilla defensively in this game. They didn't need to roll everything out there. And also, you know, as the season goes on, they're going to incorporate more packages and more packages as, you know, the, the level of play steps up. So, I mean, I think we just saw a glimpse. I, th- I think the bigger takeaway is that, you know, those three and outs, you know, that shutout. You know, I one thing that really kind of blew my mind when I was, like, going back through the numbers of the game, you know, Arkansas State ran, like, what, 54? two plays, 53, something like that, I think. More than half their yards came on three or four of those plays. You know, they had a few of those longer passes.
0: Yeah, a couple of busts. Yeah.
2: yeah. The other 50 or whatever plays, they averaged two yards per play. <laughs> I mean, o- Oklahoma's yeah. defense was just smothering them. You know, they they even when they did give up the, the longer passing plays, they bounced back. They didn't give up any more. They forced punts. They got – they got stops and that, that's what ultimately mattered. And, you know, talking to Ted Roof today, I mean, he was just impressed with kind of that ferocity that they played with. Um, you know, talked about that pride, not wanting to give up any points late. And really they just they just tackled well. I, I think pro football focus had them at three missed tackles for the game.
1: Mm-hmm. They did a good
2: job playing fundamentally sound football, you know, save for a couple of penalties here and there. Um But they they did their job. They took care of business, but left plenty to build upon when they go back and study the film and, you know, start implementing the game plan for SMU and opponents going forward.
1: We talked about it before this game. I mean, usually OU has had the tendency to play down to their opponents and they they didn't do it this time because they came out early and, and put and put it on them. Pretty much, I mean, getting mm. fourteen points early, in like the first couple of minutes yeah, before you sat down. Yeah, yeah. and then and the and then the defense just does what it does. Even at, even when the even when Arkansas State was able to complete a pass, I mean, those sages and DBs were hitting those guys pretty hard. I mean, there were a couple of pretty really good hits. I mean, that that those are momentum killers. So that's the that's the entire reason you want to get on them early is to kill the momentum. Don't leave any hope. And that's what we said before the game. Don't leave any hope, and the OU defense did that. Yeah,
0: it took Reggie Pearson like. Three minutes almost to almost decapitate a quarterback. <laughs> JT Shroud got hopped over on the sideline. Rough call, by the way. He cut like back in toward the field. That was a bit ticky tacky to me. Um, but great hit. And then he got a big TFL the very next yeah. play. Mm-hmm. Made up for made it. Up penalty. Up. Yeah. Um, Woody Washington was really good. Kentry Williams blowing up that, that play in the backfield yeah. on the
1: pass. Yep.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and look, we're not going to know, um, if this defense is quote-unquote fixed until later, obviously, but can't get off to a much better start. I mean, last year they did this kind of similar too. I mean, defense played pretty well against UTEP, played well against Kent State, held Kent State to three points when they played last year, dominated Nebraska in Lincoln, and then obviously the season, the rest of the season, went the way that everybody knows it went. So they're going to need to continue to build on it, and they got a much stiffer offensive test coming up this weekend, and we'll talk about that a little more later on, but – as far as, you know, step one, game one, you can't really ask for much more uh, defensively for Oklahoma in this game. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast we will be back after this short break. So about the offense, let's flip over that side. Obviously, uh, defense was what everyone to see. You know, that, that was that's the headliner right now. Oh, people know, oh, he's going to score points. Good grief. I mean, they scored a touchdown or a field goal on every drive in this game that was started by either Gabriel or, or Arnold, and the one time they had to suffer a field goal, they're at, like, the two-yard line. And i you can't convince me that wasn't just pity or, or wanting to get a, a Schmidt a field goal look. I mean, they're at the two. I think everybody thought, like, they could just pick this up if they wanted. Um, offensively, it looked crisp. Gabriel only had three incompletions, like Tom said. Those weren't really on him, or at least a couple of them weren't. Um, receiver, we're making plays everywhere. Jaden Gibson, how are you doing? Two circus catches. Andrew Anthony would have had way more yards if he wasn't getting just egregiously tackled down the middle of the field.
2: Um, Arkansas State's defensive <laughs> backs are actively
0: trying to thwart
2: my Andrew Anthony wide receiver <laughs> one agenda.
0: I was convinced that he's wide receiver one when he caught that very first deep ball. And yeah. I yeah. That I was, was going to say, look, okay. a little CD Lamb he's like here. Huh? He's him um, <laughs> with the
1: Hollywood Brown jersey on. The pretty the number. It's true. You know, he's he's also the rocking
0: number. the five. That's true. Um, <laughs> Uh, right there was like, oh boy. And yeah, Farouk didn't catch a pass in this game, but they were all over him. Um And he, and he won, played more I, snaps in the end zone. They didn't call pi on it, if I remember right. But they were, it probably was. I mean, they were all over him. So I'm not, I'm not pressing any kind of panic button on Farouk yet. Um, yeah, I mean,
2: he 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 played more snaps handily than any other receiver. Yeah. I mean, he, he's out there on the field. They they got him the ball, um, you know, in the run game on one of those. Yeah, snaps. they threw that one but, in the
0: flat. Yeah, yeah. But I mean. Um, he, he,
2: his time will come in the offense.
0: Sure. Um, run game didn't really ever get going too much. Didn't really need it to no saw Chuck in this game. Um, decided just to hold him back. He was suited up and everything. I got to assume that's just a, we're, we're going to win this game by a lot. Let's go ahead and just rest this, this guy who we're going to need later. Uh, Barnes ended up being your leading rusher. Tommy Walker got a couple of touchdowns. Marcus major got in there as well. Offensive line seemed to do a good job. from what I could gather, um, I guess, thoughts offensively. I mean, it looked, they looked good. It looked crisp. Dylan Gabriel looked good. Uh, is there any complaints at all offensively that, that you can even muster? We really don't have to talk about the
1: passing game. I mean, honestly, that, <laughs> the receivers were yeah. developed the way that, I mean, better than we, even we thought. And you break the completion record between two quarterbacks only having only missing three passes throughout the game. I mean, I mean, what, I mean, what more can you say about that? It's the run game. I think a lot of people want to take away from because obviously we didn't see Gavin, but, that's because, oh, you decided to hold him out just while he's mm-hmm. still working on getting back fully healthy. That's that's fine and dandy. He should be back this week is what I think Venable said at the press conference. I think he said that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, just wanting to know where they, what are they going to do? What are they going to look? I mean, because it didn't look like any of the running backs that were out there were just far, you know, head and shoulders above the other guy that was running the ball. It's like any of them could have went out there and, and did what they did. I do, although I do think Tommy Walker, I mean, he played a really good game. For being a you know a preferred walk on and going out there and starting the game, that was that was him pretty amazing. To see. That
0: guy at the goal line, yeah. I mean, <laughs> over after, how did he not
2: get flagged for that? By the I way? got chill,
0: <laughs> I got chills watching that back.
1: Yeah, I mean, he played a really good game, and we we, we all expected Devonte Barnes to be really good. So him leading the rushes wasn't surprising. It's just like you didn't ex- you didn't see anybody take the step to be that top guy that you know Demarco Murray wants to see. He wants a workhorse and everybody else to work mm-hmm. around him. And we, we didn't see that just yet. So that's the only thing from the offense from just based on Saturday, what we what we can see so far and kind of nitpick.
2: Yeah, again, the passing game looked great. Um, I mean, D- Dylan Gabriel, we hear all offseason about how he's more comfortable in this, you know, getting a second full year with Jeff Levy after reuniting with him last year. Um, yeah, I think it was Ethan Downs last week after practice that, you know, he's been on the money. It's dime time. And, you know, he came out and he delivered – um, in week one, you know, 19 of 22 passing, just incredible. Um, even even on those deep balls, you know, where Andre Anthony drew the pass interference. I mean, he threw them how you want them to be thrown, where, you know, Anthony can go out there and win those one-on-ones or draw those flags. And, you know, like we said, if, if he doesn't get just, like, blatantly dragged down on those two deep balls, he probably finishes with 150 yards and two touchdowns and, you know, yeah. Don Gabriel has close to 400 yards and four touchdowns. He touches. almost caught that one, even though he was laying on his back. That would have been all Yeah,
1: time yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's smart by the Urban State defenders. I mean, it's only a 15-yard penalty when yeah. the ball's oh, yeah. I mean, in that. Why not? Just <laughs> knock him down, man. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. <laughs> it's
2: smart football for them defensively. But, I mean, the, again, the passing game just looked really good. Um, great to see guys like Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson go up mm-hmm. and make some tough plays, especially Jaden Gibson. I mean, so many people were on him for that drop uh, against TCU last year and then the one in the spring game. Um, so for him to really go out there and make plays on some two, two tough balls, that, that back shoulder uh, down to the one-yard line to set up a Tawi Walker touchdown and then his own touchdown um, from Jackson Stonnell there in the third quarter uh, sure. just on an absolute circus catch, going up, high-pointing it, juggling it, securing it, and then celebrating with Jackson Stonnell and telling him, hey – that that one was for the spring game. That one was on me. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, you got to feel good for Jaden Gibson and if if you haven't read it yet on our site, uh this morning wrote a big feature on him and uh, just everything he's been through this last year and a half. Um so go check that out, but yeah, got to feel good about the wide receivers and the passing game and like yeah. Jaden said the, the the running game probably wanted to see a little bit more from there, but that that'll come in time.
0: Yeah. He's one of the best interviews on the team. Uh, yeah, definitely. Quickly, yeah. quickly rising the, the ranks of that. <laughs> I'll give you one small complaint that I have, um, and it's, it's small. It's they score 73 points, nitpicking. Um, I forgot Austin Stogner existed in this game. Did he play? I know he did, but I he know. didn't. He didn't catch a pass. Uh, I'm not sure if he was ever targeted I should have looked it up. I don't think he ever was even targeted. He, he,
2: he wasn't. Um, Jeff
0: Levy said they had a couple looks that they were trying to get to him, but they just weren't there, so it didn't yeah. force it. So um, that, That's my complaint if I have one. I mean, Blake Smith caught a pass. Cade McIntyre caught a pass. I thought he was going to house it for a second. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not going to matter against Arkansas State, obviously, but you're going to need to get Sogner involved probably later um, for this offense to be as good as you want it to be. Again, we're, we've said it a lot. Braden Willis was a huge part of this offense last year. So I can't accept a reality where the offense is just as good or better without a tight end making things happen. And I I think Austin Stodner is a good tight end. I think he's going to get there. But if I was going to nitpick anything offensively, that'd probably be that. He he just wasn't involved at all, uh, at least in the passing game. Uh, You know, obviously he's blocking and doing other things. But that would be my one small complaint if I had one. Speaking of blocking, offensive line
2: didn't give up any sacks, which is huge. Um, obviously,
0: the no sacks is still alive. Yeah, Shout no out.
2: sacks. Hey, yeah.
1: He said seven yards rushing, but they got seven yards of play. <laughs> so we'll, we'll let them have it this time. Seven <laughs> yards of play and no sacks. Still
2: yeah, no, no sacks. Only, only gave up a few pressures. And even on those pressures, I think Dylan Gabriel was three for three for like 77 yards when he faced pressure. Um, so he he was able to, you know, step up and deliver there. I know he had that one scramble, um, I think it was for his touchdown, where he kind of stepped up in the pocket and ran in. Um, But, yeah, no, I I think the offensive line played pretty pretty well overall, obviously some things to build on. They got a bunch of guys rotating in there. We saw Troy Everett uh, come in at center, saw him play a little bit of left guard. Uh, You know, got some freshmen in there, Caden Green. Um,
0: Man, Caden Green looks good as a freshman, as a big
2: kid. Yes, Savion Bird. I mean, Jeff, we talked about it today. Man, just loves the violence that he plays with. Um, obviously, still needs to clean some things up. Mm. All of them do. It wasn't a you know completely clean game. There were a couple penalties on the offensive line. I think I think Bird had a false start, and uh, I think Tyler Guyton had a hold that called the playback. But I mean, ultimately, those those penalties did not hinder the offense. Oklahoma still scored on both those drives. Um see so, so you do like to see the offense kind of bounce back from those those small little step backs and not get you know stuck behind the chains, um which really helped them end up being efficient on third down. we t- we talked about that. I think would they finish eleven or fourteen,
1: I believe eleven or thirteen. yeah I asked Jeff levy about that today. I mean, it, it was pretty mm-hmm. much just not getting in bad spots on third mm-hmm. down. I mean it was, there was only like yeah. one long third down conversion they needed was like which was third and ten. that's the longest it was. so that was that was the biggest improvement, I think. For the side of the ball, which is what I was just about to talk about. I mean, the only one that happened with the starters in is when, you know, Devontae Barnes kind of got tripped up on that draw play. That didn't happen. He, he probably would have scored on that play. And we, it would have been even better. So, I mean, obviously, that was a really big, really big thing. Not to, not to cut you off there, Tommy. I was teeing
2: you up for that, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that, uh, that, that Javante Barnes play, that was actually James's fault. Because right before that, he kind of turned to me and made a comment about how efficient they've been on
0: third down. I
1: put it on the board. No, I put it on the board. I put it on the board. Then told worse. That, so it was all me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> even worse. A um, couple other things uh, that I wanted to bring up, and then we'll move on to looking ahead to next week or this coming weekend, just a little bit. Um, Got to bring up Jackson Arnold. This was his debut. Doesn't feel like it because he's been around and he's so beloved already uh, by your fans. But this was his debut, and uh, can I interest you in eleven for eleven? 114 yards and a tutty. He also ran the ball pretty well. He ran for a touchdown in this game. Five carries for 39 yards and a tutty on the ground. Kid's a beast. I mean, what what more can you say? Again, uh, you, you feel like you have to say it every time you say anything good. Acknowledge the opponent. But this is a guy who's right out of high school. This is his first game. And uh, he talked about it afterward. So somebody asked him. I, I don't remember who. You know, nervous. Uh, he said, no, not at all. He's like, I thought it might be. Wasn't at all. Um, got a massive cheer when he came in. Did the OU celebration after he ran his touchdown in. This guy is electric and is really good. And on his, his birthday, team. Yeah. Nobody's saying otherwise for now. Um, but man, that kid looks good.
2: Yeah, I mean, o- Oklahoma fans and you know the coaches have to feel really good about the future yeah. of this program as as they're shepherded into the SEC next year um, because he again just just no nerves. Uh, what he said was kind of weird for him because he usually gets a little jittery yeah, right. before games, like when he was in high school and stuff like that. But, I mean, obviously the circumstances helped. 45-0 lead. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of had all of halftime to get mentally prepared to go in. Um, Though Jeff Levy said that you know, even if he were to call his number in the second quarter, he'd think that he would have performed just as well and not had any nerves there. But, I mean, he, he had 15 minutes to kind of get his head right, get, get his mindset ready, and just – go Out there and perform, and man, he he delivered him and Jaquez Petway already. Just an incredible rapport,
0: they got a chemistry, yeah. Yeah, yeah a bunch I mean, of eight, it, was it eight, eight <laughs> or nine?
2: Eight, nine of, eight yeah, but eight, wow. eight of his 11 completions went to Petway, I believe it was. <laughs> I didn't realize it was that high,
1: yeah. Right. It was yeah. most of yeah. them, man.
2: It, it, it's just ridiculous. And a, a quick note on, on Jacquez. I was looking this up on Pro Football Focus yesterday. Um, I think he played like 40 something snaps. Ran 17 routes on passing plays, targeted 10 times on 17 routes with nine catches. That is just an absurd target share and, <laughs> and just like efficiency there for him. Um, so it's clear that him and Jackson Arnold have kind of developed a a good rapport early on here, and I'm sure that that's come in practice just based on you know Arnold running a lot with the twos and where Dequess Jico- Betway's kind of been on the depth chart. But man, that that's got that's got to be something that kind of excites oklahoma fans for next year and the years to come because that that bond is only going to grow between them
1: it's crazy that an offensive lineman can move that fast
2: <laughs> it's true
0: oh yeah no <laughs> <laughs> lineman um, it, 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 it's, it's amazing
2: that uh a running back can throw like jackson arnold <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he was he, he was saying after the game that he uh Grown up, he experimented a little bit with running back too. So he he really liked ball. and he he was a, he was asking for them to call his number on some run plays. And Jeff Levy, you know, obliged. He said he wanted wanted him to get his his uniform dirty, wanted him to go out there and play football, get that first hit under his belt. And you know, right. that was you know, like I wrote yesterday, that was the only thing about his day that wasn't pristine. His jersey, that,
1: and that right there just shows that's he's calling the beat to get the ball and, and run. That's that's uncanny for a quarterback to come in their first game, especially at a college like OU and to be that comfortable, not, ha- not be nervous. I mean, that, that just shows you that the game is kind of slowed down for him already. If he's that comfortable to where he's not even nervous, he wants the ball in his hands. I mean, I mean, that's amazing for a backup quarterback. I mean, I mean, it's, it's crazy that it's it's that early is coming along for him. So I couldn't imagine, you know, I, I'd be nervous out there. It's, even with the score, you still want to you know prove yourself right and prove all the recruiting services, right. That you're a five-star guy. I mean, to not just to be that sure himself, it's, it's amazing.
0: He's just built different, James. Yep. yep.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I, it, it is nuts
0: that he Arnold has passed every test every step of the way. I mean, this is a guy who was Elite Eleven MVP, Gatorade National Player of the Year, you know, stuff like that. Five star, like James said, has a good spring game, and then first time in real action, he looks apart again. It's it's really amazing. Uh, last thing for me on this game, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Gavin Bleeping Freeman. Um, Gee, I mean, this guy is insane. This kid is absolutely insane. Um, he gets a scholarship, he's the talk of the offseason. Brent Venables can't not bring him up. He did it again in post game, he brought him up within like 30 seconds, couldn't help himself. Um, he loves Gavin Freeman. First time he touched the ball, he has a punt. Are you kidding me? You gotta be joking me. And he scored a touchdown on a reception later on that little kind of drag route type thing. Um, I mean, what can you even possibly say? This guy was a walk on and. He made some moments last year. Supposedly had an off of all off seasons. Got put on scholarship. And then first game, he kind of just proved all the coaches right that it wasn't just you know saying it lip service, just saying it, uh, say it just to say it. I mean the fact that he ran that pump back, I just like, I, it still hasn't really said into me that he actually ran that pump back.
1: Yeah. I mean he had a, he had a lot of good blocks, but then the the last move I think it was like in the, like 15 yards ago. Cook Cooked him that. That's different. That you're a different guy if you can make that type of move at full speed because he, he was full speed at the time, and then it makes the hop step move to get by. I mean, that's it's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, that, that guy's been impressing me since he was in high school. I mean, it he's he's that good. I didn't I didn't think he would even be this good at OU because you know it's it's crazy. He, he was going to Texas Tech and decided I'll take a chance on myself at OU. He is. Yeah, he's just, no
0: longer a good story. He yeah. is a really good player on this yeah. team. I think yeah, Jeff
1: Lebby talked about it today, too. What did he say, Tom? He said, we're stupid or something like that? Yeah. Like, well, joking, jokingly.
2: <laughs> because obviously he, he was recruited by Texas Tech. And yeah. I think Emma Jones spoke about it back at media day. It's like he was there, and then all of a sudden he gets a call that, hey, we're, we're not recruiting this guy anymore. And Emma Jones is like, what? Are you, are you crazy? So he, he didn't have that offer from Texas Tech anymore and then kind of bet, bet on himself, got the you know preferred walk-on opportunity at Oklahoma, and you know he's made the most of it. But, you know, like James pointed out, Jeff Levy was asked today, like, how does a player with that kind of talent kind of slip through the cracks and end up as a walk-on? And, you know, Jeff Levy said, we're just really stupid sometimes.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I, not, no, nobody bats a 1,000
0: in recruiting. Um, you know, guys yeah, and start, it's not like got... Jeff is saying, you know, the rest of America is dumb and look how smart we are. I mean, oh, you yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. give him a scholarship offer either. You know what I mean? Like he's, yeah. he's including himself. Yeah, no Co- coaches miss out on evaluations all the time. Yeah, but
2: they got to feel real good that everybody else missed out on this guy too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, really. and especially especially if you know we don't know how severe Drake Stoops' shoulder issue issue is. Right, you know, Brent Venables sounded like hey, pretty optimistic about it. Mm-hmm. But if Drake does have to miss sometimes, they they got to feel pretty good about just being able to slot Gavin Freeman in there in the slot for. <laughs> uh, for for a little bit there and get some more reps. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, they were already six or seven deep at wide receiver. I mean, obviously it's hard to replace Drake, but I mean you got guys. I mean Jacquez Peda- Pedaway I mean, proved that he can be a guy out there. He, he can run. He can route. He can route run. So I mean that's mm. that's the biggest part of it.
0: Yeah. So um yeah, the the big injuries of this game. I'll see like Tom referenced there. Drake Stoops went out kind of early. Tom McCullough went out early. Brent Venable's downplay, the severity of both of those. Uh, we'll talk to him tomorrow on his weekly presser on Tuesday, so we'll have a better idea of where those things kind of stand. He kind of, like I said, he kind of downplayed both of them as being anything too severe. So mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we'll get an update on those. Like we said earlier, it sounds like Gavin Sawchuck will be back. Our Mason Thomas expected to be back as well. So nothing too crazy. Also, we don't know Davis Bevel's situation yet either. That was kind of a scary, ugly play. <laughs> he came off the field, wasn't putting any weight on it at all. Um, so we'll get an update on him as well, probably tomorrow, uh, with the Venables presser, and also keep up with our VIP uh, subscriber boards because we'll offer some updates there whenever we can get that, a hold of them.
1: That Bevel injury did not did not look good. I mean, he walked past us, yeah, kind of with the coach's help there. Yeah, I mean, he was, was be- say, he was not
0: putting weight on it. At yeah, all. that yeah.
1: that didn't look that doesn't look very good. You know, ho- you know, hope he's yeah. okay and has a a speedy recovery. You know, healthy recovery, pretty much, yeah. but. That didn't, look, that didn't look very good.
2: Yeah, Venable said afterward, he thought it was probably an MCL, but don't know how severe of an MCL issue that is. So hopefully mm-hmm. we'll find out some more tomorrow, we'll get some updates on those guys, and see where they're at heading into week two. Because Matt, team was pretty healthy going into week one, all things considered. Uh, I mean, you had, you had a handful of guys that weren't dressed. You know, a couple of them, you know, weren't necessarily surprises. But, you know, on the 2D, I think only two guys were not dressed. And one of those was DJ. Right. Um, He's been dealing with a little bit of a knee issue and can't even remember who the other one was. But the fact that you just have two players on your two deep that featured like three or four players in each position mm-hmm. uh, means you, you, you made it through uh, preseason practices pretty healthy.
1: The good part is I think MCL is easier to come back from than ACL. I think that's. Typical in, you know, com- coming back from a knee injury. So because Brennan talked about it, ACL is like a year. It's a year process before mm-hmm. you're back to even doing what you were doing before. So I think MCL is pretty it's, it's quicker than that. You know, if you're an OKC okay, Thunder I fan, I think that, yeah. you remember Russell Westbrook and his MCL. He played an entire half with a torn MCL. So, I mean, All right? yeah, and you can come back from that pretty quicker. I mean, quicker than the ACL. So.
0: Yeah, so we'll get an update on that whenever uh, we can, obviously. And uh, like I said, Brett Venables, Presser on Tuesday, it'll come up, especially Stoops and McCullough, yep. where those guys stand. Um, any last things So the Arkansas State game? we put that, it to bed, That's
1: all speculation, by the way, right now. The injuries, we don't know for sure yet. We're just commenting on what we were told by yeah. Venables at the Presser. I mean, we're just speculating, so, but yeah.
0: Last Arkansas State things, I think we pretty much hit everything.
1: At least pretty good. At least pretty good for so. us. <laughs> I take yeah. the silences. As, yeah. as we're good.
0: Um, <laughs> all right, so next up is SMU on Saturday. We're not, well, our, our full game preview, obviously, of the SMU game will be on Thursday. But some early thoughts here. Obviously, this is a pretty good step up in competition. SMU, over the last, what, half decade or so, has been one of the better G5 programs. Um, consistently, you know, in the bowl games mm-hmm. and winning seven, eight, nine games a year range. Um, they've had some different coaches. Obviously, Sonny Dykes used to be there for going to TCU, where he's at now. Uh, they're coached by Rhett Lashley, his second year there. They're also a 1-0 start. They rolled over Louisiana Tech in their first game, 38-14, to I think was the final. The, the book on SMU generally is that they can score some points. Their defense may not be great, um, but we'll see coming up this weekend. So I guess, again, we'll do the full game preview on Thursday, but some early thoughts on this matchup, I think we're going to learn a lot more about Oklahoma, right? I mean, if they go dominate SMU, and I don't think anybody's going to say they're going to do the what they did to Arkansas State again, obviously. But um, if they go dominate SMU, I think you can start to put some more validity into things, you know, being what they are so far. Uh, some early thoughts on this game coming up on Saturday.
1: They're yeah. they're an ACC team,
0: so sorry next year. Yeah, five <laughs> for now. But you're yeah, right. But, man, they're in the yeah, ACC. ACC. Starting next year. You're right. Yeah.
2: No, I was going to say, it's definitely a, a step up in competition. Yeah. I think I think the spread opened at like 18 points, depending on where you look. So, you know, they're expected to be, you know, half as close in terms of, of the point spread there. Um, but, yeah, at SMU, a team that can put up points of their own, um, I think, you know, they, they were not far behind Oklahoma in week one in terms of offensive snaps that they got off. I think it was 79 for them which was still like top 10, top 15 in the nation. Um, so they, they like to go fast. So does Oklahoma's offense. The good thing for Oklahoma from a defensive perspective is that Ted Roof and Brent Venables cool. have a decent bit of familiarity with with Rhett Lashley. Um, Ted Roof was mm-hmm. at Auburn as a defense coordinator when Rhett Lashley was a GA. His uh, offense coordinator, Casey Woods, was also on staff there at Auburn when they won a national championship. So they've been around each other Brent Venables when he was at Clemson has gone up against Rhett Lashley's offense when Lashley was the OC at, at Auburn, did it again when Lashley was the OC at Miami. So he knows what to expect from that offense. He's seen it firsthand. Um, obviously the personnel is a little bit different, but you know there's a level of, of familiarity there where they're not going to get caught off guard by what SMU does. They're, they know what SMU wants to do and what kind of system Rhett Lashley likes to run there. So um, advantage, advantage, Oklahoma in that in that, in that front?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can, you can say the same thing. As Arkansas State had trouble, you know, trying to look at film and then put it on the field like the guys are on the field. It could be the same way for SMU at this point because the, the OU's defense didn't have to do a lot of crazy things as we talked about. They, since they yeah, kept it so right. conservative, I mean, you still don't even know what OU's going to do out there when I mean, what kind of blitz pl- uh, blitz packages they're going to bring at you. So that's a good thing for OU. That's working in their favor that didn't, you know, show a lot of stuff in the field on, on Saturday. So that's a, that's a good sign for them. You know, you got to stop, you know, guys like Preston Stone and SMU, who's a, a dual threat running back. I mean, we yeah, talked about that. I mean, he, he, yeah, quarterback, excuse me. Yeah. yeah, he talked about that. I mean, that's one of the guys you, you got to be able to stop. I and mean, he, he could be dangerous. I mean, he had three touchdowns in his game uh, on Saturday as well. So, I mean, it's one of those guys you really got to watch out for. And they ran the ball well overall as a team. So you, that you would assume that means their offensive line is pretty good. I mean, so it doesn't seem like OU's taking this for granted or anything like that. There's a lot of respect going back to SMU, just listening to what they were saying at the press conferences today. So I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a more competitive game overall for sure. For sure, I think.
2: We say that now and then they just go out and fighting them fifty five to nothing and we all
0: yeah, <laughs> <that>. <laughs> no. We all had blowouts. Do you guys know who actually had the closest score of week one?
1: Not me. Well, Colin, right? Was it was a Colin It was me. It was me. I take that week one. Oh my God! What'd you say?
0: 52-10 was my score, oh, which okay. uh, was the closest. I was off by uh, thirty one points, which is a <laughs> lot, but that was the closest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll take that. I'm one. I'm to I'm zero.
2: Whatever. I, I, I'm still feeling pretty
0: good early about my Andre Anthony bold take. So he's off to a good start. Yeah, yeah. he's off to a good start. Although the leading receiver right now is Nick Anderson. Which I don't think anybody would. Have. That would have been really bold. More <laughs> uh, been one game, but. But, yeah, Still no, looking... SMU, uh, they got a good offense. You know, Preston Stone's a pretty good quarterback. Uh, LJ Johnson had a big game last week, running back, 128 mm-hmm. yards on just 14 carries. So they got some They got some guys. I mean, they are – SMU is especially modern college football is a is a very large beneficiary of the transfer portal because these guys from Dallas go to, I don't know, I'll say Georgia or Alabama or something, and then they decide they want to leave. They kind of tend to want to go back home, and they land at SMU. So – they got some guys there, um, and we'll talk about that more on Thursday. But Oklahoma's going to be a pretty good favorite, but not to the level obviously of, of this last week. And they're going to have to play. You know, SMU is not a rollover, mm-hmm. and um, this is actually the filling game too. If you guys remember, this was supposed to be Georgia, um, mm-hmm. and it, it got taken out because the SEC moved and replaced with SMU. So kind of this would have been Georgia this week, which boy, wouldn't that? Wouldn't that have
1: been that? Would have been, uh, hey, it might have been closer than I thought now after seeing Georgia play, <laughs> it'd
0: be, it'd be, it'd a, be
2: not a,
1: a very different outlook.
2: They're not very explosive against that Georgia defensively. league, yeah. Two. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> just look at what I've seen so far, they, they didn't seem very explosive just yet. Maybe they'll they'll fix it later on down the road. They're a good program, good coach, uh, very coach, good coach the program. They're breaking a new QB
0: and everything, so.
1: yeah. They're bringing it, yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, so looking forward to that. It's a five o'clock kick on Saturday, which is a weird time. I don't think I've ever covered a five o'clock before. Um, ESPN Plus game, so get your subscriptions or get in a big watch party or just go to the game, something. Figure it out now. Get your plans together now. There's a lot of people who don't pay attention to the TV network and then Saturday comes they're like, oh, where's the game? Uh, ESPN Plus. Uh, you can't
1: so, watch Tom and I will have it on the board for you, man. It'll, it'll be going as plan every play ahead. will be on there, man. Which is why if you're
2: not a member yet, subscribe now. we are still got 50% off, I think, yeah. until tomorrow. Um, So act on that and just get all, all the all the content that we're pumping out, you know, throughout the week. Uh, great stuff coming out of the game from all of us. Um, mm-hmm. Coordinator, press conference stuff today. We'll have more stuff throughout the week after we talk to Brent Venables and players tonight and tomorrow. So we uh, we, we, we keep it
0: flowing, man. Yeah, we've only just begun. One game down. Um, obviously, as well, on Saturday there was a ton of visitors, almost anybody you could think of was there on the recruiting side. I'm going to get into a lot of that with Colin on Thursday. He's already got some great VIP stuff uh, up already on the site about some things he's been hearing coming out of that big weekend. We'll get into that a lot on Thursday, as well as our full OU-SMU game preview, including picks and players we're watching for, matchups, how SMU, if they could win this game, how they would do it, things like that. We'll get into all the angles of it on Thursday, so you want to keep up and watch that show coming up later in the week. Apple, Spotify, watch show on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, become a VIP subscriber at oklahoma.247sports.com. Tons of good stuff there, and uh, it's only going to get better as we get rolling even more week by week.
2: That's it for now. Five star rating,
0: that's right. We're still we got another rating on Apple, and it's another five, so we're still holding up that 5.0 average. I'm old, I'm like scared of losing it, so keep doing it, (laughs) keep rating fives. And uh, we'll catch you back on Thursday for Recruiting Talk as well as OU versus SMU preview. We will see you then. For James Jackson, Tom Green, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll catch you guys on Thursday.
1: See you.